0: welcome to the interview show this is scott wood your host right now i'm standing in an alley with james vincent mcmorrow how would you like to say hi how would i like to say hi normally like this hi great i'm glad you did you've had a crazy day how about you tell me a little bit about it the car drives by uh
1: my day well our bus we did got up this morning and did a radio session at kexp driving out of seattle and our bus exploded pretty much pretty much brings you right up to speed out and then the, the rest of the day was just there sitting at the side of the road hoping that someone would come and pick us up and then eventually somebody actually coming and picking us up
0: you rushed on stage and did the show it looked like you guys were literally catching your breath as you walked in the building so i'd love to hear
1: a bit about that um, yeah, we you summed it up quite nicely. We arrived into the venue and thirty minutes later we went on stage, which is never something that we've done before, especially with this rig and this crew. We just figured we'd go for it because I think everybody had bought their tickets a long time ago and we didn't I didn't want to just go on stage with a guitar, we wanted to do what what they came here to see so there were moments in it which everything was on the verge of falling apart but sometimes a show like that is nice I was amazed that we actually got through it um because you just it's not something that you ever do so it, it bodes well it means that everybody's is ready to, to go to work if need be and the crew are unbelievable like Adrian and Scott and Connor just got in and got a full lighting rig set up in 15 minutes is kind of unheard of
0: so I was pretty proud of them yeah Nice. Well, I'm glad you decided to talk with me after this adrenaline-filled show. So how about we listen to some music? Absolutely. Let's do that.
1: Hi, my name is James Vincent McMurray, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. Speak
2: until the dust settles in the same specific place I'd refuse to go Drink it from a cast and iron blade instead of cold milk Suffered on right instead of silence considered craven nothing may seem hidden where the aged soil was pure and pressed against the crease Mountains become fragrant at the source, so can you stand? How they can go and I read it somewhere And they would lie still And I remember how cloth on Flexing with the forest glow Half-waist and high-raised arm Kicking at the slightest foam I remember my first love From the halfway stop Five whole hours in, And then I woke hard I woke heavy with the Lava part
0: back to the interview show this is Scott Wood, your host you just heard a song called Cavalier by James Vincent McMorrow, that's off his second record Post Tropical, I would love it because I'm standing here, right across from James, in an alley I'd love it if you could say a few words about this track. This is one of the first songs I had in mind
1: for the new album it's the most taxing vocally on the record uh, the whole record is, is, is definitely a taxing record vocally and that was the whole point, was to push myself, but that song is, is very much indicative of what the record does and how it moves and flows and we put it out as the first single I put it out as the first single because I wanted it to be very much a uh, it's for everybody to understand what was about to happen like that it wasn't just going to be me making the same the first record again that I wanted to do something different and that song to me is, is the perfect standard bear for the record I think if you if you get that song you'll get the album that's kind of the point.
0: Cavalier you've said many times that this song sat in your head for six months before you played a single note so I'd love you to talk a bit about how songs gestate in your head
1: Songs songs gestate, they exist in my mind for a long time before I commit them to paper because I like the idea of a song having limitless possibilities I think that it's really, it'd be a shame it's a shame to me when you come up with an idea and 10 seconds later you've catalogued it and moved on I, I, you know music comes from your imagination so why not let it exist in there for a little while and not define it and not say this is what it is so yeah I do that with all my songs I, they, they, they they exist as little snippets of music and once I know that they're there I know that they can be something and then I just leave them alone for a while I kind of go and look at it something else and And over my lunch break, I might sit at the piano and work on something and then leave it alone again. And that way it just keeps them in the ether for a little bit longer. And I enjoy that. I just, I like the sort of fantastical nature of songwriting. I'm a believer in it. And I don't want to make it a rudimentary sit behind a typewriter thing. So the more they sit in my imagination, the happier I
0: am, really. So can you talk about the moment when it's time for a song to leave your mind and the ether and come out into the world? Um,
1: they tend to present themselves whenever they feel like it. Like they and and everything is so incremental with my my process of songwriting because everything happens so slowly, and uh, songwriting involves me writing guitar lines and drum lines and synth lines and horns and whatever else comes to my mind with that song. I don't isolate songwriting as being just a guitar and a and a voice or a piano and a voice. I think it's it's all the different facets of the song and the arrangement. So they present themselves whenever they want, and it tends to be a very slow, slow process. And, and it might not be until the
0: last, last beat of the recording process that I consider a song done. James Vincent McMorrow, you get compared a lot to Bonnie Iver. You've said, I've got nothing in common with Bonnie Iver except for being a soul singer with a beard. Okay. First of all, can you explain to people who don't know who is Bonnie Iver?
1: He's a a soul singer with a beard. There you go. Um, He's another dude in the world that is making, you know, good music. And it's funny sometimes people compare you to other people for really simplistic kind of tedious ideas. And that's fine. I'm I'm a a, a respecter of his music. But uh, yeah, I I, yeah, those things always give me kind of make me chuckle more than anything else because I uh, it's it's interesting that people would. Insist on comparing,
0: based on such superficial things. But you know, to each his own. So, what's one important difference between James Vincent McMorrow and Bonnie Vere? I'm Irish, and he's not. <laughs> is that an important difference? I mean, what's the difference between me and you? It's a, it's a. <laughs> I'm a nerdy radio host. You are a singer songwriter who is quite good. Well, thank you,
1: uh, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big again believer in comparison so i don't really think about it there's infinite differences between me and every singer that's ever existed you know i mean i'm a huge d'angelo fan and i have a high voice and i can sing but i don't look like d'angelo so maybe people don't talk about it as much or people don't talk about how you know i have things in common with other people so you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) enough said Hi, my name is James Vincent McMurray, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood.
2: This is redemption. I remember all the things my mother wrote We don't eat until your father's at the table We don't drink until the devil's turn to dust Never once has any man I've met been able to so, if I were you, I'd have all a little trust. Two thousand years now, been in that water. Two thousand years, sunk like a stone. Desperately reaching for nets that the fishermen had thrown And trying to find a little bit of room For me I was holding All of my secrets soft and hidden Pages were folding And there was nothing at all I might need myself a savior I remember what was written on that wall We don't eat until your father's at the table We don't drink until the devil's turned to dust Never once has any man I've met been able to love. So if I were you, I'd have all its on trouble.
0: Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard We Don't Eat. That's off the debut record by James Vincent McMorrow. That record's called Early in the Morning. I have James trapped talking with me in an alley. I'd love it if you could talk a bit about this track while your crew dismantles your stage props.
1: They are dismantling stage props. Talk about We Don't Eat. Oh, um, It's one of the songs off the first record that people... Are drawn to a lot more than the others and I think I understand that because there's a lyrical there's, there's a weight to the lyric that draws people in and makes people wonder a lot of people ask questions about what it's about I don't necessarily know what any lyric I've ever written has ever been about because I don't really resonate on that level I, I love sounds of words and I love the, uh, the connection between words but I don't really question what they are what they mean Um so people yeah, it's it's the one off the record, the first record that really gets people. And it's one of the funnest ones to play live because it just is energy. The whole song is energy. And it's a, the song to me, the, the arrangement was about trying
0: to hold the energy for as long as possible. The new record, it's called Post Tropical. You've said about making it that practical restrictions are a thing of the past. So can you talk about a bare minimum achievement you're proud of from the first record, which was called Early in the Morning?
1: What am I proud of from that record? I'm proud of everything from that record. I mean, that record was made with zero idea of what was possible, and with me trying as hard as I possibly could to make something exist. So I, I'm just, I'm incredibly happy that that album exists because, by rights, it didn't, it shouldn't have, because no one was really giving me the opportunity to make a record. So I kind of made the opportunity for myself so I'm very glad that I saw that through and that's the point when people kind of compare they talk about the first record they talk about this record and the differences and and I don't think about it like that and I love the first record because it was me exploring everything that was possible for me at that time and that's why I love this record too because it was me really pushing myself into, into a sphere that I really wanted to to, to immerse myself in and wanted to throw myself into. So that's what music is about.
0: I guess I'm coming from it from the point of view where, you know, when a musician's starting out, they don't have unlimited resources. So they have to make something people will want to listen to, something that will showcase their abilities in the best way with limited dollars.
1: Yeah, you, you make the best of what you've got. Like I've never been, a, I've never resented things I haven't had. And I've never thought about things I haven't had. So I'll make... I'm like MacGyver. I'll make the best of whatever is is put in front of me. So, um...
0: Fair enough. Your second record, post-tropical. You had a lot more freedom. Were you like a kid in a candy store?
1: Um... To a certain extent, yeah. I mean, if, if kids in candy stores have a clock on the wall telling them that they have 29 and 28, 27 days left to make a record, so they're constantly waking up at 4 in the morning in cold sweats. Uh, yeah, but apart from that, yeah, absolutely, kid in a candy store. I mean, amazing equipment. The studio we went to was phenomenal. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. I have a lovely studio back in Ireland there that I call my own and, and, and has amazing equipment in it, and, and I can go out and reasonably purchase what I need to make the things that I uh that I want to make, and that is a rare position to be in in music, and, and I am a big appreciator of it. I don't take any; I've never taken anything for granted. So, and again, I don't like musicians that do because this cr- short career can end tomorrow, and, and I'm not I have no interest in resting on my laurels, which is why I made this record, and it's why I put on this show or try to put on this show when we're not
0: exploding buses. Um, Higher love, you did a cover of the Steve Winwood classic. The challenge of doing a cover is making it your own i 'm hoping you can talk about the challenges of making a good cover and i 'll play the song in the background while you 're talking <laughs> very nice uh, The challenges of it i mean it
1: 's not a challenge it 's a joy i mean I love that song i 've always loved that song um, My mom used to play that song when I was a kid, and it was made it has to be made from a, a pure place i mean that 's the one thing I always feel about doing covers i 'm always reticent to do them i 've done two or three in my life and they 've always they actually tend to gain a lot of traction. And I I kind of attribute that to the fact that I do them for the right reasons. I'm not doing them for, to try and hook them onto a record or put them in an ad, even though with Higher Love, it did end up in a big ad in the UK. What was great about that was I I made it for charity. And then when they came along and asked me to do it, I gave the money to the charity, which was fantastic to be able to do. and it's a different interpretation of the song I have no inter uh, you know it shouldn't it shouldn't be about just like straight recreating it and hoping that you can take someone's already brilliant song and then just do a, a, you know completely faithful to the original cover of it and I think that's getting merit to it I wanted to strip the song back and that that was the, that's the challenge I guess in, in what you're, in your question the challenge is to bit to find a song that you can strip back and present in a way that makes people realize what a beautiful song it is i mean with that song people go crazy for it and that song has always been one of my favorite songs but because it's adorned with such like gigantic 80s production and it's got that Nile rogers thing and it's like it, it, people kind of not lose the song in it but it becomes a different thing it's a dance song it's a, it's a song you put on at parties and my version of it is not it's it's a version that people listen to and i think that's great and made a lot of people aware of steve winwood which is fantastic because he was you know he's a hero of mine and obviously doesn't tour as much anymore and doesn't need to so it was brilliant that it was a byproduct of it that all of a sudden people are like "Ah, steve winwood and go buy back into high life and realize what an incredible
0: record it is james vincent mcmorrow your voice is an incredible instrument you didn't train it i'm hoping you can talk about being self-taught and honing your voice into something that's a force that can tame a room.
1: A force that can tame a room? i got to put that on a sticker, man. I used to watch all those TV shows where people would sing, and they'd just wait to get up to the high notes so they could like be divas. And they never cared about the low notes because they were unimportant. And I always thought every note's important and every vowel sound is important. So I used to try and... I love singing. I love understanding the craft and the art of it and it's 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 like being coming an accountant to me it's like you know you got to learn and study it um and and understand how it works in a room that's another big thing is like it's one thing having a voice but then being able to get the the idea of how to make it move around a room i used to think it was about just hammering it down people's throats i used to go out there and almost yell at people in the beginning because i was like you know these I, i can sing like this and it's big and loud and it will get you and it didn't people it was overpowering the people and it was when I discovered the opposite that it was about being quiet at the right times and drawing a crowd in and making them part of it and not just you yelling at them from a stage it's about like you drawing them in so learn I'm still getting better at it like I mean I look at myself a year ago and I'm not the perform. I wasn't the performer I am now so that's compelling as well it's compelling the idea of you not being close to being finished I'm, I'm not close to being finished in terms of where I want to be so that's that's exciting for me.
0: You've said that you met your girlfriend Emma at a party after a show at your place and she dropped an expensive guitar and you got so mad that you asked everybody to leave the party.
1: <laughs> I mean it wasn't that dramatic. I played a show in Galway where she was in college and I had my guitar and we were drinking and we're there's a, an apartment that comes with the venue. And so I had everybody everybody that we were over with was back in the apartment. And she did, yes, she hit my guitar when she was out on the balcony, and I got quite mad. But I didn't ask anybody to leave. It was about four in the morning, and everybody left. I went to bed. I was, I was quite mad, and I decided to go to bed, and at that point, I think everybody left. <laughs> but, yeah, that was my first
0: interaction with Emma, but it got better after that. <laughs> when you meet your girlfriend in a situation like that, how does the romance recover? How does it recover? Well, I hadn't started
1: yet. And so, I mean, it all got better from there. It got fantastic, you know what I mean? Like, I left an imprint on me. I remembered her, and the next time I remembered her again. So I was there to make an impression, and she left an impression on a guitar and on me. So. I'm glad you're both happy.
0: The last song I'm going to play is going to be Red Dust off your second record, Post Tropical. I'd love it if you could talk a bit about this track as I bring up the music.
1: Red Dust, it was one of the earlier songs that ultimately ended up on the record, and it sounded quite different for a long time. I've been singing it for a while. I, the, I loved the premise of it. I loved the flow of it. But I just didn't, sonically, it wasn't sitting right. So, And we played it on the last album cycle. And I kind of had an idea of how I wanted it to flow. We went to Texas. I recorded it. And I just wasn't happy. And we kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and changing and trying different sounds. And I think it was maybe two weeks before the end of the mix process that I tried something with a new drum machine with an 808 and tried this, this tune tom and the resonance worked for the first time and that to me was the note that was missing from the song the whole time so right up until the end that song wasn't finished even though i was sitting and playing it and happy with the premise of it for three four years it just yeah they take time it was one of the last ones to come together
0: on the record but one of the first ones to be written
1: yeah that pretty much sums it up
0: all right we're gonna listen to red dust by james vincent mcmorrow off his second record post-tropical James, thank you very much for taking some time out to talk to me.
1: It was an absolute pleasure. It's the first time I've done a interview in an alleyway after a insane day. So, it's, you you will forever be indelibly in my memory for that. Hi, my name is James Vincent McMurray and you're listening to the interview show with Scott Wood. No.
2: Shows through the shimmering shade Someone to love. Sometimes my hands, they don't feel like mine. I need someone to love. I need someone to hope. Sometimes my hands, they don't feel like mine. I need someone to love. I need someone.